Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It is so great to be with you today. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. Our conversation is about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. A couple of announcements for all psychotherapists, mental health practitioners, and life coaches. The Essential of Awareness Integration Theory course is coming up June 24th to 26th. The Early Bird Special is coming up on June 10th. We'll have an amazing discount, so don't miss it. Sign up. The space is limited. Love to have you there to share the theory and intervention with you all. So um, email me at awarenessintegrationinstitute at gmail.com, fujanzane at gmail.com. Let me know if you're interested, and I would love to have you there. Today, I am excited to chat with Ben Luskin. He is a mental health counselor, life coach, and a consultant living in Eugene, Oregon. He's the author of Beyond the Horizon, a guide to recovery from brain injury and other happenings. He runs a private practice dedicated to supporting individuals in recognizing, pursuing, and achieving their unique potential, and is a strong advocate and champion for independent living movement. After he struggled with an overcoming challenges resulting, resulting from a severe traumatic brain injury sustained at age 12, Ben has become convinced that all individuals hold within themselves the tools they need to succeed. He facilitates shifts in perception to help his clients find the strength and courage to accept their current situation, as well as a focus on further development. We had an amazing conversation together and I'm positive you will enjoy this. Subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel and um, connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com or any of the social medias. I love to hear from you. Here it is, Ben. Ben Luskin, everyone. Um, welcome to the show, Ben. Yes, it's uh, great to be here. Thank you. You are in Eugene, Oregon, so um, right down north of us. Um, and um, you are um, a counselor, a mental health counselor, and a life coach. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you also uh, work with independent living. Yeah. And I know that um, you've had um, an experience yourself with brain injury and um, you've brought a lot of your experience and how you have dealt with all of that in your book, Beyond the Horizon, A Guide to Recovery from Brain Injury and Other Happenings. So uh, first, if you could share with us um, what happened to you and how that all of that came to write the book. Right, right, sure. Well, um, so that takes us back to 1994, August 28th, 1994. I was 
um, on the North Shore of uh, Minnesota, North Shore of Lake Superior with my family on vacation. And we were all driving along in a minivan, um, going to a hike, I believe. Um, and a semi truck, well, excuse me, first a, another van, a big van knocked us into the other lane of a highway. And then a semi truck um, just going along at full speed ran right into us. Um, they ran into the back corner of our minivan um, where I was sitting. I was, I was sitting in the back left uh, seat. So, um, or right seat, I don't remember. But uh, we got knocked in the other lane of the highway and the semi truck ran into us at full speed. So I had my seatbelt on, which stopped me from flying forward. Um, but my head rocked forward so fast that my brain smashed into my skull and back again. In a, and that's what's called a, a coup contra coup, a brain injury. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was immediately, I was knocked unconscious. Um, you know, so I was lying there on the side of the highway uh, with nothing but my vital signs intact, my heartbeat and, and such. Um, and just at that time, it's actually kind of a miracle story because right at that time, um, uh, ER nurse happened to drive along that stretch of the highway and just like got out, called for a helicopter and made sure that I got my breathing intact. And um, I believe he took off. I'm not sure about that because my understanding is that's not um, what you're supposed to do when you run into an emergency on the road. But I think that's the story. Um, but anyway, a helicopter came and picked me up and brought me to uh, Duluth um, uh, Hospital, which is right near where I was. And um, there began a long three-month uh, road of, of um, you know, hospital stay, during which I, I did all sorts of rehabilitation, physical rehab, occupational rehab, um, uh, uh, speech therapy, uh, therapy, uh, was it, um, rec was it recreational, recreational rehab or something? That was my favorite. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so then I got out of the hospital and, you know, I, I regained my basic functions. The, the hardest thing for me was really kind of understanding myself and, and fitting into, you know, my peers. I went back to middle school. I was 12 years old at the time. So I went back to middle school and, and that's a time, that's an age when everyone's trying to fit in and trying to discover themselves anyway. Um, and so here I was with that going, and on top of that, a brain injury. Um, so, um, you know, my uh, I, I struggled a lot with that kind of self-acceptance and peer acceptance through high school. Um, and I guess if, if you're asking the question about my, my road to recovery, um, the big change that I'll share with you all. Um, so I come from a very intellectual family, and so... Um, I was very focused on those kinds of pursuits. That's what I was went to college um, for. I, I studied religion in college, very fascinated with philosophy and psychology and those kinds of things. Um, but I had sort of at that point just sort of given up on my physical body. It's like, okay, I'm I'm less strong and less coordinated on, on the left side of my body. Um, I don't have good balance. Um, I'm not really going to be able, you know, like I, I, I picked snowboarding back up, but I was still, you know, just very like stop and go, stop and go. Um, 
you know, I wasn't really able to excel in with my physical form. So I kind of just gave that up and just said, okay, well, I, I'll work with my brain. I'll work with my head. Um, but then in, in uh, college, near the end of college, I discovered martial arts. And that really just, that changed my life. Um, and, you know, right from the get-go, I would say martial arts taught me that, um, you know, taught me to believe in myself. And it, it taught me that with hard work, hard work and really hard work, dedication and repetition, it's, you know, um, hard work, dedication and repetition, I can learn to do whatever I set my mind to. Um, and, and so, yeah, before long, you know, there I was uh, throwing people down on the mat and, and uh, my body was moving in ways that I didn't think it could. Um, and it's just gone on from there uh, to the point where, I mean, martial arts is, is a huge part of my life right now. There's the physical component, but there's also the mental and the spiritual component, respect and discipline and, and all of that. And I mean, if I showed you my office right now, you'd see a picture of my grandmaster over here and, and a, a sword up here. Like it's a very big part of my life. Um, uh, I share, you know, many of the lessons that I've learned with my clients. Um, I actually, uh, these days I um, have found a new Kung Fu school right down the road and, and really, um, really uh, enjoy them, really like them. Um, and they've kind of become my new martial arts family. Beautiful. Um, and I I, I've worked a lot with uh, clients who have gone through brain injury and I've known them before. Um, they were my clients and then suddenly something happened. And I'm always astonished about how the brain um, reinvents itself consistently right. with the right behaviors and with the right treatment. Right. This beautiful thing I read in your book, which, you know, when I look at um, the awareness integration theory, which I develop, um, I see a lot of the conversations that um, are also in that mode with what you were writing in your book. So I related a lot. Uh, one of the passages you wrote was, it says, along um, my quest to discover who I was and what I wanted out of life, I became fascinated by the correlations between my thought, feelings, and behaviors. And I realized that these were all connected through a common source and that to understand myself, I had to look far back to find my, uh, the origins of my character development. And then you write, everything we do, feel, think, and observe develops into patterns and responsible for grief and headache, as well as joy, jubilation, and these patterns guide the steps we take through life. Um, so it seems uh, that as you not only started looking at who you are and you, this, this jolt, let's say, got you off of the uh, normal patterns that we just kind of like subconsciously kind of like move along life and right. like, you know, life happens to us and we'll take it and you know we create meanings around it and we create our stories around it and unfortunate things like this suddenly jolts you out of it but then it, it because it jolts you out of it it, make, it makes you much more conscious about mm -hmm. where is it that you're going and moving so um, share a little bit about that. Well, I, I think you you said it uh, very well. You know, my what I talk about is how my brain injury or just brain injury in general can be a great opportunity. Brain injury, or that's where the other happenings comes in, 
anything in life that really makes you reconsider who you are and what you're doing can be a great opportunity um, because it, it lets you look at, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's going into this? And when, when you start to look at that, you can start to see like, well, where can I make little changes? You know, where can I redirect this stream rather than stop it? How can I redirect this? How can I use this to my advantage? <clears throat> and piece by piece, like what I talk about in my book is that, um, you know, you use your intentions, your, your behaviors to start to influence your, your subconscious and your unconscious. Um, and ultimately, you get to a place where uh, your unconscious is congruent with your conscious and um, you know, you just, without thinking, you act in a way that's congruent with, with your values and, and who you understand yourself to be. The sentence you said was really interesting. You said, during our early years, they can be easily identified in our mannerism and behaviors. They stretch across the surface of our elementary understanding of the world, separating and protecting our fragile minds and un from unfamiliar. This is good. To pass through this layer of defense, new ideas must agree with our current viewpoint. So um, it's also the concept of what you were saying at the values, when you do have values and you open yourself up to the world. And for example, when you were talking about um, going to karate and then you know Kung Fu and all of that, it seems like you have some sort of a value that was there and then suddenly out of all the you know, a recreational therapy, occupational therapy, all the one that was there, so, um, suddenly you went into um, not only a body movement, but a body movement that had a philosophy and a value behind it. And it seemed mm -hmm. like that really, uh, your body took that on, your psyche took that on. And then with the alignment of all of that, your body really uh, took that to heart and started working in a way that right. it's never done before. Right. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think, you know, you say that and one one of the other things that I sort of discovered as I went down this road and started to work with these theories and materials um, is that, uh, you know, like through martial arts, I discovered all these all these values of, of hard work and discipline and, and respect and, and responsibility. Um, but then I started to trace it back and I realized, you know, um, I was raised in the Jewish tradition and I see so many of those values and just the very idea of being a very value heavy person is so strong in, in that culture and in my family. So, I mean, yeah, these things have been, you know, have been in the background this whole time. And it, it's been through sort of us uh, building a life where I really valued I value those values and, and value that kind of life and, and congruency um, that has really allowed them to, sh to show up how they do today in, in a very integrated way. Mm -hmm. You talk about the uh, conscious and subconscious and uh, unconscious and you sh share about considering the intentions behind the everyday activity and how you could become conscious of uh, the intentionality and the motivation and kind of bringing those together. And this is mm -hmm. part of what you do as a cornerstone of your um, system and consulting, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's like the big thing. It, like, you know, the, the um, passage that you read about um, becoming fascinated with the connections between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. 
they all come from somewhere. And so just like uh, I talk, what I talk about in my book is that um, life was so difficult for me um, for a while. I really didn't have anywhere to, to, um, to retreat but my own head. And so by necessity, I spent a lot of time thinking about why I was doing what I was doing. Um, and, and, you know, that certainly wasn't fun at the time. It certainly, um, you know, I got made fun of and, and uh, it, it led to missed opportunities here and there and kind of took me out of maybe the, the what you would call the average <clears throat> um, experience of a high schooler. Um, but what it did is it allowed me to really have this um, become um, sort of very aware of of the um, transitions, the, the different um, points in the, my decision-making process. Um, and, you know, like I said, um, as I became more aware of that, I was able to see, well, okay, this is where I can start to um, uh, improve, shift, bring more tools in to help. It just really helped me understand well, what's the process behind this? And instead of, and then here's the, here's the big ticket. Instead of focusing on what came out of it, I was able to focus on the process that produced my behaviors. And in, in that, I discovered like a whole new world of potential in that I didn't have to worry about what came out. I just focused on my process. I focused on what I was putting in and I learned to find a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, even success, um, through feeling good about what I was putting in. Well, you're right. Consider the intention behind your everyday activities. Then consider what greater force or motivation lines behind your intention. How does that motivation show up in other parts of your life? Now connect these motivations to their corresponding behavioral patterns, where else where else do you find similar patterns in your life and might what might these patterns suggest about your unconscious tendency so uh for everyone who's with us the, the book also gives you specific kind of exercises as you go through to do, create this kind kind of an awareness for yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah to say about that piece right well, so yeah, so that's really looking very um, closely at that intentions, motivations, tendencies, where you have um, just kind of a real brief overview. You have your conscious intentions up top, and that's what you're aware of. And then you have at the very bottom, you have your unconscious tendencies. And those are the things that you've picked up, um, you know, through family conditioning, through cultural influences, all the way to like primal, um, primal sur survival, biological responses. So that all kind of lumps into that unconscious piece. And then I use the subconscious to uh, <clears throat> describe everything in between. And so the motivations then become sort of like a, a, a bridge between the two. And so it's through our motivations that we're able to make those shifts in our unconscious. We're able to um, uh, uh, achieve indirect access to our unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I put that together and that was um, sort of designed for that very smooth, like, okay, 
uh, tendencies feed into the mo uh, subconscious motivations, which feed into the conscious intentions, and then back down again. You do your intentions, and your intentions influence your motivations, and your motivations influence your unconscious. Um, and when so that allows you to really look at, well, what am I doing? What are my intentions? And how do my intentions reflect my motivations? Or maybe they don't. What can I do to make my intentions um, better reflect my motivations? Mm -hmm. You also talk about shared reality and personal reality, which is, um, I think a lot of times it's interesting that we take what shared reality is, which is the reality kind of like um, agreed upon reality in the society. And uh, sometimes we make that our own reality. And sometimes we take what's personal, whatever event happened, and uh, sometimes we take in, give it meaning, give it storyline, you know, make it right. personal and all of that. And that becomes our own reality. Right. And kind of like we move between the two, between the personal one and the shared one. And um, your suggestion in your book is to really look at each one and what they're coming and then to be able to kind of like distinguish between right. some, you know, event that is happening there and then what we're making out of it and, you know, what kind of a reality we're actually um, ascribing to. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, so they're, they're both there, right? They're both realities in front of us. And um um, so it, 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 since they're both there, it seems to make most sense to figure out how to use them both to your advantage mm -hmm. and to be able to shift from one to the other. You know, if you're in a place where you're really wanting to be able to connect with others and, and understand yourself, you know, through more of a group identity, then uh, shared reality makes a lot of sense. Um, but whereas if you're in a situation where you're looking at your personal performance and you're, you're um, you know, maybe it's, it's by numbers or quant quantitatively a lower performance than the average or than the people around you. And you're trying to figure out, well, how can I feel good about this? Or how can I see this as a positive thing in my life? Um, and that's where you can shift into personal reality. And like I talk about in my book, um, you know, I, uh, I love martial arts, right? But I've also got balance issues and fine coordination issues. And uh, it, it's, it's difficult for me. And so all the way through, I've, I've gone, you know, at maybe a slower rate than the students around me. And I've failed tests and that kind of thing. And so that's been a real challenge or a real, a challenge and opportunity. There we go. The, the challenge is the opportunity for me to um, discover how, well, yeah, I might have failed the test, but I can look at um, what I did to prepare. I can look at how I've been going um, to, you know, I've been training several days a week. I can look at how I've um, been consistent in my exercises. I can look at all of these things and I can feel really good about that, regardless of how the test turned out. Well, one of the things you say is allow yourself to feel like a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and honor yourself and then yeah. define your own successes yeah uh that, that's an interesting sentence to allow yourself feel yeah. like a failure because a lot of times we distinguish between what success and failure is and we change the meaning of the failure so that you don't feel like a failure right you're saying no 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 allow yourself to feel yeah. like a failure yeah. 
you yeah. come out of that. Yeah. And um, to share with us and with our audience, what uh, when you say know and honor yourself, um, mm -hmm. how have you known and honored yourself through the process that you've gone through? Sure. Well, I think that goes right back to that spending those years, you know, stuck in my head, just um, uh, taking refuge in my head because I, I, I was really struggling with acceptance outside of myself. Um, and so I just got to know um, what, what I was good at. And then, you know, moving through the years, moving through college and moving after college and you know, there's some definitely some successes along the way, a lot of them, I might say. Um, but being able to recognize, well, these are my strengths. These are my struggles, what I call vulnerabilities. Um, and then also, this is a, a place that's just new that I don't know, that I don't know how I can perform with this. And but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's being able to honor that, well, not everyone's great at everything. Um, uh, so find out what I'm really good at, what I enjoy doing and understand what I struggle with as, and maybe understand what kind of tools I can use or, um, how to even how to ask for help. There's a lot of strength in being able to ask for help when you need it. Um, so, and, and being able to honor yourself for having to ask for help or being able to ask for help, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's a, a story that I really enjoy. It's an old Zen story. Um, and it's, it's, uh, talks about all these animals, all the creatures in the forest all together. And they're all, you know, talking about what they do. You've got everything from the, the tiger to the, uh, to the ants. And, and so they're all talking about what they do. The tiger's talking about, you know, um, running through the grass and the monkeys talking about swinging back and forth um, and the birds talking about flying all day and the caterpillar pipes up and says you know yeah I uh you know ever since I turned into a butterfly or excuse me a butterfly ever since I turned into a butterfly I just love it I love flying around and and just looking down and seeing everything beneath me but, you know, it really kind of sucked when I was a caterpillar. All I could do was just crawl around the dirt all day, every day. It's all I did. And uh, uh, so then the, the worm hears this. And the worm pipes up and says, well, hey, wait a minute. I'm a worm. That's all I do. That's all I'll ever do. But you know what? I, I love crawling around the dirt. I think I'm really good at crawling around the dirt. Um, you know, I, I feel good about doing what I'm uh, conditioned to do or, or built to do. And, and, you know, that's just my life. And uh, the, the butterfly hears this and says, you know, thinks for a minute and, and says, yeah, you know, I guess you're right. I guess, yeah, when I was a caterpillar, before I even knew about being a butterfly, I certainly had some good moments crawling around the dirt. You know, th thanks for reminding me. And so that's the story. Chapters in your book um, talks about acceptance, mm -hmm. acceptance of what is. Mm -hmm. And um, so can you share what your point of view is in how to reach acceptance with things that have happened? Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a in an earlier uh, passage in your book, um, 
you wrote something which was really interesting the way you wrote it. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it, but it was about more like, you know, I was a star athlete and then I was becoming, uh, I was acting like I was the, um, oh, here it is. I had to work hard to escape my identification with being a victim and using my brain injury as an excuse for my perceived shortcomings, a tendency that conflicted with my values of resilience and strong work ethics. I had learned to lessen to disappointment that accompanied my limitations by placing value and degree of self-worth in my excuses. If I wasn't going to be a star athlete, well, then I was going to be a star brain injury victim. Right. This was a, an amazing um, realization of how we take that kind of like the share, um, the, um, the personal reality that we have and create a lot of significance around it, that it could really hold us up to uh, getting limited uh, type of a personal identity versus right. really allowing ourselves to grow in right. all different ways. Right. And um, and one of the re one of the stepping stones to really getting that. Uh, and by the way, stepping stone is his recovery curriculum. We'll be talking about that, too. The stepping stone to getting that is also the state of acceptance. So can you share a bit about that? Right. Well, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a very strong believer and I share this with all my clients uh, until you accept yourself, until you uh, accept responsibility for where you're at. Um, you really don't have much um, uh, power to change things or to work with things. Um, and so acceptance becomes that first step of, okay, I recognize that I am where I am. I recognize that I think about my position as such. Um, so now I can start to work with it. Um, and, you know, you bring up this idea of a victim, and I think that's certainly something that I struggled with for a long time. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, because it gives you a sense of identity that's, that takes that responsibility away. You know, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do that, but that's okay, because I'm a victim. And um, that's just, that's what I am, which is very different than well, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm in it to win it and I'm, I'm still working at it. And I hope you can see uh, how hard I'm working because I think there's a lot of value there. Yes, and we all become victimized of something, of, you know, right. Some right. circumstance right. happens that we indifferent right. each person that becomes victimized. Right. Absolutely. We, do we take the trait of I'm a victim and, you know, hold myself in that position yeah. or open it up to be able to find the resiliency as right. you have um, and grow, right. and learn, right. and help, right. you know, overcome many of those things. This has right. led you, um, obviously, not only that you've become a counselor, but through um, you've, you've created a 10 week recovery curriculum called yes. Stepping Stones. Can you yes. share a little bit about that? Okay, so Stepping Stones, that came to be, uh, it was actually a snow day in April in Eugene, Oregon. Um, so work was called off and, you know, uh, I just like uh, had these thoughts running through my head for, you know, a while, maybe a year or so. And I was, okay, well, today I'm going to write them down. 
Um, and so I just sort of wrote all these, th all these different things that I've worked with, that I've learned about um, through my, you know, my travels and my explorations and my path of recovery. And, and I just kind of like put that all into uh, 30 lessons or maybe a few more um, into this curriculum, stepping stones. And then, and then it just lay dormant for a while. <clears throat> and then um, fairly recently, I started working with a, an excellent group. And I do want to make a plug for joinmonument.com, which is a alcohol addiction platform that just does an amazing job in, in, in um, creating that environment of support and community and, and helping people not feel bad about, about being where they're at and, and not feeling like a victim either, but really working with each other to share in that sense of, of strength and empowerment. Um, uh, so that's my plug, but uh, going on with that, so I do a number of groups with them. And one of the groups that I do is called Knowing and Loving Your Authentic Self. And so that's kind of, it, it is modeled after my curriculum. It, it, it uses my curriculum. And so um, now I'm doing it with a group of people and uh, I've been through it once, the, once entirely. Now I'm going through it the second time, making little tweaks here and there as I understand better what works with people. Um, uh, and so it's, uh, I guess a few things that I'll say about it is it's, it's comprehensive and it really, it's comprehensive meaning that it, um, each lesson builds on, on the lesson before it. So it's a, a full program altogether and really it takes the focus just like we've been talking about away from what you're doing out here to your relationship with yourself and it, it leads you through step by step by step by step uh you know appreciating yourself uh taking responsibility for yourself you know, even up you know post uh what pre-injury post-injury um and starting to look at well what are these pieces that still carry forward or maybe what's changed? Um, what, where are my limitations now? Um, in what areas of my life do they show up and how can I work to understand um, what this tells me about who I am in this new version of myself? So it goes through three stages. It's, um, was it? Uh, I've got it right here. <laughs> Talking about it kind of um, makes them fly away in my head. <laughs> awareness, discovery, and integration. So yeah, you're working with awareness. You're working with like, again, where do these thoughts and, and behaviors come from to discovery of, well, um, what else is possible? What do I want for myself? That's a huge part right there is what do I want for myself? Um, I know um, like uh, a premise of my book is that we're not the same people that we were before our brain injuries. And this is true again for other happenings as well. So understanding that you're not the same person, it, it sort of just comes along that um, maybe you understand success in a different way. Or maybe you, you have different dreams for yourself. You want something different for yourself. 
Um, I think I think so many people uh, go through life chasing what they think they're supposed to want and never really take that time to consider, well, what's important to me? What makes me feel good about myself? Um, and then you move into that integration phase of, okay, so this is what I've learned about myself. Um, this is what I love about myself. Now, how can I bring these pieces into my life so that I can, um, you know, uh, sh show up as a person and live a lifestyle um, that, again, is all <laughs> congruent with my values. It's very value heavy as well. Beautiful. Now, you know, my theory is called awareness integration theory. So when I hear, uh, you know, those concepts uh, being utilized in everywhere, it just feels very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you are also, uh, well, let me share with people what we have been talking about is Beyond the Horizon, A Guide to Recovery from Brain Injury and Other Happenings by Ben Luskin. So this is the book. And um, where can people find your book? So um, you can find it on Amazon. Um, make sure you get the one that looks like that. There's an older version. Um, as well. Um, that's not really the same thing. It's It's been very worked over since then. But yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, Beautiful. Um, now you're also working on another book. Yes, yes. Let's hear about that so we can be excited about it okay. when it shows up. Yeah. After years of having people tell me, just stop working on that book and work on your next one. I finally got this first book to a point where I felt good about it and, um, you know, happy with it and um, set that aside. And, and gosh, I guess there's different ways to answer this question. We can also look at, um, it goes back to the, as I was working through Stepping Stones, this curriculum that I developed and I was starting to work with this group of people, um, I realized that the, uh, tendencies, motivations, intentions model, it worked well when you have that smooth transmission from one to the other. But what happens when something goes awry? What happens when um, your motivations don't seem to produce your intent, the, the intentions you want, or the behaviors you want? Or what happens if your motivations go back down into your uh, tendencies and you act without thinking? And so I, I sort of took that model and I started to expand it. And so um, what we have now is, or what, I, what I'm working on now is this model where you've got those same three, same three tiers, uh, intentions, motivations, tendencies. Um, but now you, you take motivations and you blow that up and you see that there's what I call your source motivations. And your source motivation is like that raw primal, like I have a need that needs to be satisfied. And then that can either show up in one of two ways, in what I call surface motivation, which is what's connected. Your surface motivation is um, connected through mindfulness to your intentions. And so what that means is that's a motivation that you understand, um, that's a motivation um, that is understood through how you understand yourself. Um, like your personal filter of what's important to you. 
and, and so that's your uh, surface motivations. Then underneath the source is your base motivations. And your base motivations are connected to um, what I call habit, right? Just things that you do without even thinking. You're doing them to, to accomplish a need. You're doing them for a reason. You might not realize it, but they're, they're serving a need somehow, somewhere. Um, and they just happen through habit. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, like I said, you've got mindfulness up, up at top and you've got habit below. And so that just gives you a little more to work with. Like you can see everything ultimately begins with the unconscious, but sometimes your unconscious will go up through habit. It'll get to motivation, to a base motivation, and then go right back down, back to habit again and just up and down and up and down. And these are, um, uh, you know, like self-sabotage patterns that people run into and that kind of thing. Um, whereas the, uh, you know, uh, in other scenarios, it comes up from your tendencies through your uh, habit to your motivation. And then it goes up into this surface motivation where you're now, you're understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing and how it's serving my need and how it's how it's um, serving my need in a way that um, that complements uh, my self concept or how I understand myself. And then through through that motivation and then shows up as an intention and a behavior that uh, is aligned with your values. So either you're watching it through mindfulness about how it gets produced, how it strategizes and look at the patterns that are working. And if you choose that they're not working, then you could reevaluate and put other values there. Yeah. Which show yeah. Behavior yeah. Forward. yeah. Yeah. Um, ben, yeah. I think, I think what, one more thing I'll say about that. I think a, a big thing that really shocks people when they work on this um, with me is that, um, the like that source motivation is the same for uh surface motivations connected through mindfulness and base motivations connected through habit it's like something that they're doing that is really working for them and something that they're doing that is not working for them at all really come from that same uh source motivation they come from that same need to satisfy a need uh yeah drive to satisfy a need um last minute is there anything we haven't said or touched upon that you really really want everybody to know um you know i think um well i want to uh, go back you you just kind of flew over those the three the three most important lessons what i call the three most important lessons i learned in recovery know yourself and we talked a bit about that define your success and we've talked a bit about that and that's really you uh, understanding what success means to you and what's important to you and feeling good about doing what you can do to reach your goals um you know for me that's been a lot about work ethic and the consistency um but then that third one allow yourself to feel like a failure i think that really catches a lot of people off guard because you spend so much time there's so much self-help material and out there like helping you to um sort of uh just change yeah um helping you to avoid that feeling of failure 
And what I've realized is that that feeling of failure is not really that bad. It, it, well, excuse me, that feeling of failure is just a feeling. And fe that feeling, like all other feelings, are fleeting. And so when you allow yourself to just go there and feel bad, you can bounce back and um, you're back in the game. Uh, whereas if you spend so much time and energy fighting that feeling, then you're just locked in this ongoing struggle with that feeling like, no, I don't want to feel like a failure. And you spend your life uh, just trying to, or you spend your life for a long period of time, just trying to stay above water. Exactly. And again, that's a beautiful uh, way of looking at taking something that is happening and making it work for you versus being a victim of it. Well, everyone, please go to Amazon, uh, get the book that looks like this, Beyond the Horizon, A Guide to Recovery from Brain Injury and Other Happenings by Ben Luskin. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for spending the time and being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Until next week, bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.